So all through uh, last month, we were, um, we, our sermon series was called A Story to Tell. And we were looking at um, all the different characters in the Christmas story. So we looked at um, the shepherds and uh, the innkeeper, but there wasn't an innkeeper, was there, Rob? No, there was no innkeeper. Uh, we looked at Joseph, we looked at Mary. Uh, we even looked at the Christmas story through the perspective of God. Uh, and last week was the wise men that uh, John preached on. Uh, and yet there was one person missing in that story that we've not yet thought about. And no, it's not the donkey, all right? Because there is no donkey in the Christmas story. I hate to shatter all your illusions, but you look through the Christmas story in the Bible, there's no donkey, all right? I'm sorry to do that to you, but it's true. So I want to think about today, about the person that's missing in the story that we've not yet looked at. Now, at the beginning of every year, I always like to preach on our vision for our church uh, and for what we do as church, and that what we're doing that today. Um, and I was going to go with the really cheesy title of 2020 Vision. That's just too cheesy, though, isn't it? It's been, like, overdone, you know, already. Uh, but it's important that we focus on our vision, and our, our vision, I mean, the, the kind of the, to sum it all up, our vision is to transform Southport with the good news of Jesus. And to do all that we can to not just make this place a better place to live, but to make it a place in which the power of God is evident. That's what we're about here. And I want to focus on um, just one part of our vision. Let me just read it to you. I'm not going to embarrass you by asking you about the five different points of the vision. I won't embarrass you by doing that because I know you won't know them. So, uh, one part of it is talking about changing lives. That we should be involved in changing and transforming lives of people who don't yet know Jesus. Uh, and this is what it says. We want to be a church that serves the people of our town by meeting specific needs so that lives are transformed. We will be a church where every member is equipped to serve and has confidence to share the gospel in an attractive and relevant way. That's that last bit I want to focus on today. So you're thinking, okay, so we've got the Christmas story, uh, we've got our vision, and we've got that reading that we've just heard. How does it all connect? Well, let me tell you. Uh, it connects in this way. See, the missing person that we've not yet looked at when we think about the Christmas story is, any guesses? Not Jesus. Who said me? Well done, me, yes, says the vicar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, us, you have a role in the Christmas story because the whole Christmas story is about Jesus, God himself, becoming man, living amongst us and people encountering him in the manger, in a ship on the sea, on the cross, in the resurrection. And you have all encountered Jesus, I hope. I hope that you've all in some way encountered the incredible love and power of Jesus and has transformed your life. And so you have a story to tell, don't you? You have a story to tell of what God has done for you. You've got a story to tell about how God has transformed your life. And I really hope and I really pray, and I'll talk about this a little bit again later, that your story isn't simply about what God did for you the moment you became a Christian 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, perhaps for some of you, 70 years ago. I hope your story is what God is doing for me today. 
See, we're all called to share our story, aren't we? We know that. We know that God calls us to tell people about him. It's called evangelism. The E word. No one likes to talk about evangelism. We all struggle with it. None of us are any good at it. But we're called to be people who talk about what God has done for us. And there's a struggle in that, isn't it? We know we should. We know we're terrible at it. And so most of us duck it. The opportunity comes along and we just swerve it as, many, as often as possible. And yet every single one of us has a responsibility placed upon us by God to share the good news of Jesus. And it is good news, isn't it? You wouldn't be here today if it wasn't good news. God came to earth, lived amongst us, did incredible things and died. Died so that you can be forgiven. Died so that you could have life. Died so that you can have a fresh start in life. Died so that you could be with him forever. And he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later and revealed himself to over 500 people in those next few weeks and continues to reveal who he is to countless millions, billions of people through the ages. Even now, there are Muslims in, in, in Iran, of all places, who are having dreams about Jesus and coming to believe in him and seeking out churches that are underground, that are hidden away because it's illegal to be a Christian in that country. And they're coming to faith because Jesus is showing himself to them in different ways, revealing who he is. See, it's God's desire that all should know who Jesus is. And we are part of that. We are part of that because we've got a story to tell. The, I mean, it was great at the carol service, wasn't it? For, for those of you who came, we had uh, Irene Carr and Lucy Porter just sharing something of their story. And you can tell, you can kind of, you can tell in the atmosphere when people are engaging with what's going on at the front. And the moment people start to talk about their story, people engaged, they want to hear something of your story. Even if that story includes God. We are all called to be witnesses. We are all called to tell our story. And so our story today that uh, was read to us by Simon is a story that talks a lot about what it means to be an evangelist, to be a witness. That's another word for it. Because this is a story about a woman, just an ordinary woman, who goes to a well. And Jesus is there. Jesus has been traveling for a, a, a long time. He's tired, he's weary, he's hungry, he's thirsty. His disciples go off to find food. They leave him at the well. And along comes this woman. And it's a well that's called Jacob's Well. It's about half a mile outside of a village called Sychar. And she gets there around about midday. Now, there's a couple of things strange about this. Firstly, that she's gone at midday. And you think, well, what's wrong with that? Well, midday, it's starting to get really hot in a country like Israel. It's really hot. And so most people either go to get water in the early morning or the early evening when it's cooler. 
especially if you're walking half a mile, to get that water and then half a mile carrying buckets back. You go when it's cooler. And we learn in that story that this woman's got a bit of a past. Because Jesus says to her, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now isn't your husband. And we don't know the full story around that, but it's quite clear that there's something going on. The reason she's going at midday is probably because the other women and the other men of the village have shunned her because of her lifestyle. She's a bit of an outcast. And so she goes when no one else is around because she's ashamed of what's happened in her life. She goes when no one else will gossip about her. And she probably goes to the well furthest away from the town because there would have been a well in the village. The only well in the village. Uh, sorry, just, it came in my head, it just came out. So she could have gone there, but she walked outside of the village for half a mile to get the water there. There's something going on with this woman that we don't fully understand, but she's clearly on the outside of things. And she meets this Jesus. And they have a conversation that starts off with, would you please give me some water? And she says, why are you asking me for water? I'm a Samaritan and I'm a woman. Two problems. Okay, first of all, let's deal with the woman one. No rabbi, no teacher would ever talk to a woman in public. Difficult days then, weren't they, women? You know, you've got so much better now. It would have been frowned upon. It would have been frowned upon for him to talk to a woman. But also, she's a Samaritan. And the people of Samaria and the Jews were always in conflict. There was always tension between them. They were enemies. And so this Jewish man asked this Samaritan woman for water. And she's amazed at this. And so they start to talk about water. And Jesus gets into this kind of very enigmatic kind of discussion about living water. The kind of water that you drink and then never get thirsty again. And of course he's talking about everlasting life. And then they talk about worship and who God is. And then it gets really personal and he tells her everything that's ever happened in her life. And then she runs off, as we heard in our story, to tell the people of her village about this incredible man that she's just met. And brings them back to meet Jesus. There are four things I want us to learn out of this story. Four things that will help us in our witness in how we think about evangelism. Four very simple things that will apply to each and every one of us. And the first is this, that this woman had a sense of urgency. There's a little phrase in the story, I don't know if you noticed it. What did she go to the well for? Water, yeah. Very simple thing. She went to the well for water. It says in the story, she left her bucket full of water, and runs back to the village. The very thing that she went for suddenly is of no importance. She left the physical water because she discovered living water, as Jesus described it in the story, water that gives her life. That became the most important thing. It wasn't her everyday tasks. It wasn't the things that she had to do. They were left to one side. The most important thing for her was to tell people about this man that she'd met this Jesus at the well you know when I look at my life and when I talk with other Christians about this kind of thing 
I don't really have a great sense of urgency about evangelism. And I wonder whether you do too. I do it when the opportunity comes up. If people ask me, I'll talk to them about God. I'll tell them about Jesus. I'll tell them my story. But there's no great sense of urgency. And if I look at the church generally, I would say that's the case for most churches. That when you look at the, the things that are the priorities for the church, it would be like, you know, let's get a new roof or let's start small groups or all sorts of things. But evangelism is way down at the bottom. This woman, the most important thing for her on meeting Jesus was to go and tell others. Wow. I think we need to learn from that, don't you? See, the sense of urgency isn't a feeling, it's a choice. See, it's your decision to say, this good news that I've received, this love that I've experienced from God, this power I've sensed from God, is so important that others need to know about it. That's a choice. That's not a feeling. And we need to choose to put evangelism at the top of our priority list for our lives. It's about saying to yourself that all the other things of life are not as important as telling other people about him. And it's important because, and I'm not going to say, you know, you might see someone tomorrow and you never know if they're going to die the next day, so they need to hear about Jesus, all right? I'm not even going to say that. But you might meet someone tomorrow and you may well be the last person they will ever meet who can tell them about Jesus, even if they live for another 20 or 30 years. Because there are so few Christians in this country who are actually talking about Jesus that they can go through a whole life without anyone ever telling them about Jesus. And so everyone you meet this week, you might be the last person who will, they will ever meet who can tell them about the incredible love of Jesus. Not because they're going to die the next day. They may live for another 50 years. But because Christians are so bad at telling people about Jesus. You may be the last person that they will meet who can do that for them. The very thing that they may be searching for in their life, the very thing that may give them hope for the future, that may give them healing for the present, that may allow them to let go of their past. The very thing that they need right now is in your hands and you are keeping it from them. We need to have a sense of urgency. People need to hear about Jesus. And they're going to do that through you. No one else. It's not someone else's responsibility. It's yours and mine. The second thing is this. That it doesn't matter what you've been through. This woman, and we don't know her full story, but it seems to have been a colourful life. And in all sorts of ways, because of her colourful life, because she was a woman, because she was a Samaritan, you could say she is the most least likely evangelist you'll ever meet. And yet, Jesus makes her an evangelist. 
It's amazing, isn't it, really? And you know what? I don't think there was, this is some kind of coincidence that Jesus was at that well and met this woman. I don't think there are very few coincidences in Jesus' life. I think he was there for a reason. Partly so that she might discover the incredible love God has for her. And partly for her to discover her purpose in life. To let other people know about Jesus. You know, when I talk to um, Christians about evangelism, and we come up with all sorts of excuses why we shouldn't do it, don't we? We're really good at excuses. If only we were as good at evangelism as we are at excuses. But, you know, people say, well, yeah, look, I'm, ah, yeah, I don't think I'm good enough. I'm not worthy enough to be able to do this. I can't do this kind of thing. You know, look at my past. Look at who I am now. I'm so imperfect. I, I still fail God in all sorts of ways. You know what? None of that matters. In fact, all of that makes you entirely suitable to tell people about Jesus. Because the last thing people need are perfect people coming to tell them about Jesus. Because that's un- unrealistic, and none of you are perfect. Hate to break it to you, but none of you are. But it gives them something that they'll never aspire to, that they'll never have hope of reaching. What they want to hear is you in your struggles, both your past struggles and your present struggles, about how God has helped you through that. How God has given you the strength to face your issues, to overcome those issues. Not that you're perfect, not that you're in some way self-righteous. People want to hear your story of how you, in all of your difficulties, have found how God has helped you. It helps you to connect with people. It helps you to kind of give, it gives you a hook to hang your story on. Helps them to tune into what they need to listen to. There is nothing in your life that disqualifies you from evangelism. Nothing. And you might be thinking of all sorts of other excuses now. But last, you know, let's get rid of this one. You are all good enough to be his witnesses. You know, one of the best witnesses uh, in my previous church, uh, St. Andrews, one of the best witnesses, best evangelist in our church, wasn't even a Christian. There's a challenge for you. She would tell everyone about all the things that the church was doing to help people. Anyone and everyone. She never quite made that step herself into faith. But she was a great evangelist. I'd always send her out to see someone rather than anyone from church because she was just like, you need to go there because they'll sort you out. They'll, you know, they'll do all sorts of things for you. You might feel that your faith isn't good enough, that your faith is on downward trend, that you're struggling with all sorts of sin in your life. You might feel that you don't have the right words to say, all those kind of things. But none of that disqualifies you from being perhaps a tremendous witness for Jesus. The third thing I want you to realise is that this woman, all she does is she tells what she knows. She's only met Jesus for, I mean, let's, let's kind of imagine this conversation went on for a while, at the most an hour. And that's enough for her to go back and to tell people about him. 
See, one of the other excuses we have is, I don't know enough. I can't answer a question if people say to me, give me proof for the existence of God, or tell me why is there evil in the world and why good people suffer. You might not be able to do that. But you don't need to. They are all good questions. But quite often, people ask those questions as a distraction, not as a search for truth. See, when you start to tell people how your life has been transformed by Jesus, that's a huge challenge. It's a challenge, a personal challenge to them. And so they'll distract you by a question that there's no answer to. Because I can't prove that God exists, can I? Otherwise, why would I need faith? I can't give you an answer why good people suffer. I just can't. I can't give you an answer about why some people get healed and some people don't. I can't. But what I can tell you is how God has transformed my life. And that's all you need to tell. What does this woman do? She goes back and she says, look, I've met this man. He has told me everything that I've ever done in my life. Could he be the Messiah? She's not even certain. She's not even come to that place of certainty. She's just like, wow, this is, he's amazing. Why don't you check him out? So you don't have to have an answer to every question. You don't have to be a great apologist for Jesus. You just need to tell your story. And let God do what he wants to do with that. See, the fourth thing we need to learn from this woman is this, just a simple power of invitation. What does she say to the people in the village? Come and see. Come and see. Come and find out for yourself. I can't prove to anyone anything, but what I can do is say, come and find out for yourself. And that's what she did. And so the village go out to hear Jesus for themselves, to encounter Jesus for themselves. And it's interesting isn't it, that at the end of the story, they say, now we believe not just because of what you have said, but because we've experienced it for ourselves. You cannot convince anyone about Jesus until they experience Jesus for themselves. See, people coming to faith isn't just about what you do. It's about the incredible love of God reaching out to those people, drawing them closer to him. See, we partner with Jesus in this. And all you need to do is say to people, come and see for yourself. Come and see whether that's to a, a, a normal Sunday service or to a special event that we've got on, or more importantly, what do you think I'm going to say? Hey, there you go. Alpha, you've got one invitation. We've got loads more. You can take loads of these. Don't think you've only got to take one. Okay? Take loads. They're all on the uh, welcome desk. The one that we uh, finished at the end of last year, uh, we had about 11 in. We had a great time. Great alpha. People met with God in different ways. Even those who said, oh, I'm a hard nut to crack. So I'm not looking anywhere. <laughs> 
But out of those 11 people, they were invited by a total of three people in church. So they all invited more than one each. Now, I hate to say this, but that's not good enough. Is it? Thank you. I don't know who said no, but well done. Thank you. The warden. Yeah, yeah, the church warden said, that's not good enough. Wouldn't it be great if we all took the responsibility to invite people? They may say no. That's okay if they say no. And it's okay for you if they say no. It's not failure. The success is in the inviting. That's the success. Inviting. It's up to them whether they come or not. But wouldn't it be better if we all took that responsibility to invite people, to say to people, why don't you come and see for yourself? Come and discover what I've discovered. And Alpha is a great place to do that because people, they get to hear stuff, but they get to ask questions. They get to talk about what they believe. They get to do it in a great atmosphere and they hear the truth, but they also have the opportunity to encounter, experience the love of God. Both truth and experience go hand in hand in Alpha. And that's what we see in the story. Jesus told them the truth, but they also encountered real compassion. When Jesus was talking to that woman, what do you think she experienced? This woman who'd been outcast by everyone in her village, who was looked down upon and talked about, this Jewish teacher showed her compassion and talked to her like she deserved with respect. Who will you invite to Alpha? Who would you love to see come to faith? Pray and make that... You've only got this week, basically. So you need to do it. You know, what was fascinating is, uh, I don't know if you know this, but um, over some of the Christmas services, we handed out um, cards to, to, to guests who came along about why they came to that service. And uh, we haven't gone through the, the, all of them yet, but uh, we, are, we were asked by the Church of England to do this. Uh, most people came because in some way they'd received an invitation. Simple, really, isn't it? It's not rocket science. Evangelism isn't hard. It's simply an invitation to come and see for yourself. We have people who came along because they were given an invitation at uh, the, you know, the Christmas lights switch on. And we have people outside giving out invitations. We have people who came along because they came to the hustings we held on the, in the middle of December. And we hand out invitations. And they came along because of that. Some people came because we posted an invitation through their letterbox. You might think that's a pointless exercise. Let me tell you it's not. And yet we have so few people doing that simple exercise. Evangelism isn't hard. It just needs an invitation. Let me wrap up. Two things. This woman heads off back to uh, her village. What does Jesus do? He turns to his disciples. They come to him and they're talking about food. And he moves on and says, look... Look around you. He's excited by what's going on. He says, look, this woman, she's gone to tell others to bring them here. He's excited. He says that you've heard it said, four more months until the harvest. I tell you, 
The harvest is now. He's, called, he's talking about the harvest of souls, isn't he? See, in our hearts, we might think, wow, it's a really hard time to talk about Jesus right now. People don't want to know. It's really hard. And Jesus is saying, no, open your eyes and you'll see that the harvest right now, right now, is plentiful. I've said it before. I'll keep saying it again. In my experience of being a Christian for 36 years, this is the best time to talk to people about Jesus. People are more open now than I've ever experienced in my life. This is the best time. Open your eyes and see that the harvest is plentiful. All you have to do is be one of the workers in the harvest. Elsewhere, Jesus says that, doesn't he? He says, pray that more people will go out into the harvest field. Be one of those people. Be one of those people who says, come and see. And I guarantee it won't just change other people's lives, it will change your life. Because what does Jesus say? The disciples come, they talk to him about food, and he says, look, I've got food that you can't see. Because my food is to do the will of him who sent me. His food was seeing people come to faith. And if you've led anyone to Jesus, you will know just how transforming it is for you as well as for them. There's nothing more exciting than seeing people discover faith. There's nothing more exciting than seeing people discover the love of Jesus for the first time. Because they get so excited by it. Unlike us, because we've been around it for so long. And when they get excited, you get excited. It is food for your soul. To see people come to Jesus is food for your soul. And if you feel like you've reached a plateau in your walk with Jesus, if you feel like you've kind of reached a bit of a rut, then get involved in evangelism and it will shake you out of that rut. You know, there's lots of opportunities that we have. You have opportunities each and every day in your life. Every day. Tomorrow you're going to meet a whole bunch of people who don't know Jesus. What are you going to do? We have people who go out on the street once a month on a Sunday to, to pray with people and to share faith with them. Maybe you want to get involved with that. See Rob, who organises that. Maybe you've got time during the week and you want to be involved in the school's work. See Tabs and Hetty about that. But they're all opportunities for you to share faith and to get excited about what God has done, not just for us, but for the whole world. It's a time for harvest. William Booth said this, Some men's ambition is art. Some men's ambition is fame. Some men's ambition is gold. My ambition is the souls of men. This year, I want to encourage you to make it your ambition to tell your story wherever you go. I want you to make it your ambition to look for the opportunities to share your faith. I want you to make this year the souls of other men and women your ambition. To see them discover all that you've discovered for yourself. To be able to say to them, come and see for yourself. In whatever way is the most appropriate for them. 
and for you. That's my challenge for you as we start this year. Be a people who tell your story. Tell your story until people are sick of it or until people respond to it. Should we stand? Let's just be quiet for a moment and just take time to know the presence of God here right now. Let me encourage you to just close your eyes. You know, God's here. And when we stop, when we open our hearts and we become aware of his presence, just be quiet for a moment. What's God saying to you right now about how you're to live your life? About the story you've got? The story of what God's done in you and through you? Why not now just quietly ask God to help you to share your story? You know, it's why he sent the Holy Spirit. To help us to be his witnesses. We don't do this alone. You know, some of you right now are kind of just experiencing something of the presence of God. And if you are, I want to encourage you to receive prayer. There will be people to one side by the windows who will pray with you. If you just sense God doing something in you now, we want to encourage that, don't we? We want to see God do more. So they'll pray with you. And they're going to go now, whoever's on the team today. If you could go by the windows now. They will pray with you. Maybe you're just aware that you, you really struggle with sharing your story. Then why not receive prayer that you might receive more of God's power to help you do that? Because he wants to help you do that. He's given you a story and he'll help you tell it. And I really feel as well that God wants to just surround some of you with his love. Because right now you just need that. And I've kind of got this image of God's love being like a big blanket surrounding people. And if in a situation you're in right now, you just need to experience that, you need to know his love, then these people would love to pray with you. So we're going to worship now. And as we worship, do please use the guys by the window to receive prayer. Lord God, we thank you that we have a story to tell. A story of how Jesus has transformed our lives. And we pray that you would help us by your spirit to be people who tell our story. Who are able to tell of what he has done for us. Who are able to say, come and see to those who we meet. To help them discover Jesus for themselves. Lord, I pray that uh, this would be a year when we ditch our excuses and simply do what you've called us to do. To go out and tell of what you have done. Amen.